We are in 3 Nephi chapter 19, and Christ has gone back to heaven and to do things that his heavenly Father has for him to do. And it tells us that the crowd does go home and did return to their own home. And in verse 2, it says, It was noised abroad among the people immediately before it was yet dark that the multitude had seen Jesus, and he had ministered to them. And he would also show himself on the morrow to the multitude. And I just have written there, who would you tell? Who would you go and tell? Who would you go find and say, guess who we saw? Guess who we heard? Guess what happened today? And I love in verse 3 that it says, And even all that night it was noised abroad concerning Jesus, insomuch did they send forth unto the people that there were many, an exceeding great number that did labor all night that they might be in the morrow in the place where Jesus would show himself to the multitude. And I have there, would you go home? I mean, they're exhausted. They have been there. They have gone through this day of standing in lines, touching his hands and feet, being blessed by him. And I don't know about you, but spiritually, that is exhausting. After conference, don't you just feel, I mean, I'm sad it's over, but I'm exhausted. And spiritual things really take it out of us. We know that from Lehi and Nephi and their visions they had. Nephi had to rest after seeing the vision before he could explain to Laman and Lemuel he was smart enough to know he needed a nap. Lehi had to lay on the bed. It takes us, it takes it out of us. And so you know, these families go home, they're exhausted and tired. But the thing that I love is this thought, would you go home and go to bed or who would you labor all night to make sure they were there? And maybe it wouldn't be the most elect. Maybe it would be people who you're like, you need this. You need this in your life. Wouldn't it be people that you were worried and concerned and I just thought, oh my gosh, I love that thought of would you go to bed or would you labor all night? And who would you labor to bring? And so I just love that question. And I would ask my students and my children, who would you bring? How far would you go? How much effort and work would you go to to bring these people to the feet of the Savior? And I love that thought. Okay, and then verse four, it tells us, on the, the morrow, the multitude was gathered, and it goes through all of the 12 apostles that are there. And if you read this verse, what's really cool is the influence of family. That's what's amazing to me is a lot of these 12 apostles are related. And so I just think it's cool, the influence of family, and I, and I love that. So I would just read through that and look how many are related. You've got brothers, you've got fathers, sons. I think that's really cool. And in verse 5, the multitude was so great, they caused them to be divided in 12, bo 12 bodies. And then the 12 in verse 6 did immediately start to teach the multitude. And they had them kneel down. And they start to do exactly what the Savior has asked them to do. And in verse 7, they, they pray in verse 6, and then they immediately start to teach. And it tells us in verse 8 that they spoke exactly what Jesus told them, nothing varying from the words that he told them. And then they knelt again. And I love that because we are told as teachers in the gospel 
and that we should not vary. And I remember at one point, a friend of mine giving me a book to read. And she said, I'm just really curious your thoughts on this. And it was a book that had kind of gone, um, it was about someone's experience, a dream they had had, a near-death experience. And I read it, and afterwards she said, what are your thoughts? And I said, you know, I really, truly believe this was their experience. But that was God speaking to them, and that was revelation to them. That is not my revelation. And so that's really neat for them, but that is not my answer to prayer, and that is not my personal revelation. It's theirs. So I said, that's neat, but I've got to tell you, everything that we have access to, the scriptures, those gospel doctor, gospel topic essays, the everything online on LDS.org, all of the ensigns, all of, ensigns, sorry, all of the conference talks we have, we have so much. It is not possible for us to read everything that is out there. And I said, so I just tend to stick with those things that we know are approved of God from the mouth of the prophet and the apostles. That's where I go because I don't have time for everything. So I tend to stick with what is most important. And that's where I'm going to stick. And she just was so sweet because she just said, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That's what I needed to hear. You're right. And I think it's that whole varying to the right or the left, looking beyond the mark. And we have to be so sure that we're on the straight and narrow path. And God has taught us, and here's one of the places he teaches us, to not vary from those things that Jesus Christ has taught. And so we really need to be careful that we do that. So I love that. Okay, and it says in verse 9, they did pray. When they knelt down and prayed again, and what did they pray? They asked for the Holy Ghost. And the thing that I have written there is it's so important we ask. God stands at the door ready for us to, ready for him to bless us and give us what we are seeking for, but we have to ask. He is bound until we ask, and we also have to obey the commandments, but we have to ask, and so he stands ready to give, but we've got to ask him, and so that's a really important thing, and the question there is, what are we um, keeping ourselves from because we won't open our mouth and ask. And so I love that thought. Okay, so then they go down to the water and they begin to baptize. And they start with the 12. And it tells us the 12 are surrounded by the Holy Ghost, surrounded by fire, and the whole multitude sees it in verse 14. And I love that because the multitude needs to know these are the apostles of God and they have his power. And so what a witness to them that these are his 12. Okay. And then when all of that's happened, Jesus comes. And I love this because how good do you think he felt watching and going, they're doing exactly what I taught them yesterday to do. They're already doing it. They're already praying. They're already seeking for the Holy Ghost. They're already baptizing. They're already teaching the words, exactly the words that I taught them. That's got to make him feel so good that they're doing exactly what he has asked them to do. And then they kneel down, he commands, and they kneel down and they pray again. 
And the thing that I love about this that I wrote in 18 is they did what he said. They didn't say, but we already did that. We already prayed. We already did that before you came. And I love that because we so often question. I so often, I shouldn't say we, I so often say, but I did that. And so I really love this example that they have done all of that. But the minute Christ says, kneel down, they do. There's no questioning. They just obey. And I think we can find such an example in that. Just do it. When Christ says do something, just do it. And I need to learn that exact obedience. And so I really love that. Okay. And then it says in 19, as they're praying, Jesus removed himself and started to pray to the Father. And the thing that I have there is, so what did he say? He removes himself. He is our advocate with the Father. And he starts to pray. And here it is in verse 20. I thank thee that thou hast given them the gift of the Holy Ghost. How cool is that? This Savior who gave everything so willingly obeyed the will of his Father and gave everything for us. I think it is so touching that he is thanking his Heavenly Father that he has answered their prayer and given them the Holy Ghost. I love that. And then he says, will you please give it to all who believe, not only to them, but all who believe on their words. Will you please give them that Holy Ghost. And I just think, isn't that so sweet? He loves us that much that he prays in gratitude to his heavenly father for what he gives us. Okay. I love that. And he says, it's because of our faith in him. In 23, he is definitely our advocate. And he says, and now father, I pray unto thee for them. And also for all who believe on their words that they may believe in me and that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be one. And that means that we are one in purpose with him. And that means we have a desire for all to come back to our Heavenly Father, to bring everyone back to his feet and his presence. And I love that. So then he goes back and the disciples are still praying. And I love what it says in 24. Okay, so he's been off praying. He comes back. They're still praying. But I love that it emphasizes this. They did not multiply words. Okay, this has been a long time. They're praying. They did not cease. They did not multiply words. And it says this, it was given them what to pray because of their desire. I love that. They were filled with a desire. It was given what to pray. And so we really, I love that again, because we've been told that before. And I've said this before, that we really, truly can pray to know what the Lord would have us pray. And that is just something I find so fascinating. I've had that happen very rarely, and I need to work on that. And so I really love that here it is again, that we truly can pray to have the words given us what to pray. Isn't that so neat? Okay, 25, and it came to pass, Jesus blessed them as they did pray unto him and his countenance did smile upon them. And the reason I love that is when I think when I smile, I'm pleased. He's pleased. And the light of his countenance did shine upon them and they were white as the countenance and also the garments of Jesus. And the what I have there is pure. That white that we have 
right there, and we have other place in the scriptures, what that means is light and pure. It's not a color. It's a desire, and it's their countenance, and it's their spirit. And in fact, the footnote says a transfiguration. It just means they're pure. Their desires have become so righteous that they are pure, and it's the state of their heart. And so I love that. And then Jesus says, pray on. And so they continue to pray, and he goes off, and he prays again. And what does he pray? in 28 he again thanks heavenly father for what he has done for them the blessings he has given them isn't that beautiful and then he thanks him for purifying them so he's again acknowledging that white means purified that they are cleansed and we can have that we can pray for that he can purify us isn't that beautiful and then he asks that again all who believe on their words will also be purified. So I love that. If we believe in the a prophet and the apostles and their words, those who teach and lead, we can be purified through that. I love that. Okay. And then he roots for us. That's what I love is he prays for us. He roots for us. He wants that for us. He is our advocate. And again, he says that we can be one, that they may be one, that we can be one with him. And I love that. Okay. 30, they're still praying steadfastly without ceasing. And again, it says he did smile, which means he's pleased and that they were white. Again, they were so pure. I love that. And 31, it came to pass. He prayed again. This is three times he has prayed for them. And the, the thing I love about this is in 32, it says they can't even put into words. We now have two of his prayers. The multitude all heard it in 33, and the, it was put in their hearts, so they understood what he was praying, but they can't even, they don't even have words to explain to us in the scriptures. It was that incredible. And so I have here, have you ever had an experience, a spiritual experience that you could not explain, that you could not put into words? And I just love the thought of that, that it was so glorious and so beautiful. They can't even explain to us. It isn't that it was so sacred that they won't. It's that it was so incredible they can't. And I just love that. So it's beyond anything that we even can comprehend. And I just think it's so beautiful. And then he says their faith is so great and further beyond the Jews that they were able to see and hear things that none of the Jews could have. And I just thought, isn't that sad that here the Jews had him, here these people, his people who are righteous people, members of the church, they could not experience the things he has now shown the Nephites and the Lamanites and these people who are here that are really not ites at all, but people who were here gathered because they believed in a Savior and had faith in him. He has shown them such incredible miracles that the Jews did not get to witness because of their faith in him. And so what I have here is what do we keep ourselves from? because we don't have sufficient faith. And again, it's the not turning to the right or the left, but staying on that path, being steadfast 
and asking and praying for the words that the Lord would give us. There are miracles and there are blessings he desires to give us. And if we will pray and ask, I truly believe he will give us the words to ask because he so desires to pour out his blessings on us if we have faith in him, for us to become one with him. And so I just love that, that their faith was so incredible that these incredible blessings came to them. And so I just love that. And then it says um, in 36, Verily I say to you, there are none of them that have seen so great things as you have seen, neither have they heard such great things as you have heard. And my desire and prayer is that we will hear and see as great things as these people who are gathered saw. And I truly believe we can if we are steadfast, if we are immovable, and if our eye is on the prophet and the apostles and the mouthpiece of God, and we keep ourselves steadfast in the scriptures, steadfast in our faith, steadfast in our prayers, and we pray to know what we can pray for. I love this because I truly believe we are living in a day where the Savior will be coming and these miracles will happen for us if we remain steadfast. I love this chapter. It's just beautiful. I hope you know how much the Savior loves you. I hope you know and feel all the blessings he has in store for us and how much he wants us to be one with.